All right, man. So we have a question and topic that was submitted not on the YouTube channel or Instagram, surreptitiously, if you will. It was emailed mm. in, you know, to protect the innocent. And it is from, <laughs> I, won't, I won't say their name, but somebody wrote in to BTWB and they referenced a question regarding when we did episode 121, which I think that one was about should coaches and trainers do their own programming, the same program that the gym does. Yeah. So that's the backstory here. This person wrote in about episode 121, says I'm one of those coaches who doesn't follow my gym's program, but I think I have a valid reason. Our gym currently follows a big name affiliate program. They didn't say what it is and I wouldn't have said it even if they did, but mm -hmm. it follows a big name affiliate program. And in this program, the same movement patterns are repeated multiple times a week. For example, day one might be thrusters, not might be, but this is a real week. Day one thrusters, day two kettlebell lunges, day four squat cleans, day six wall balls. This was a real week that we recently had. Or there'll be other weeks where we're pressing in the same plane over and over again through the whole week. I've brought up my concerns to the ownership and how I believe that this program can open the door to injury uh, by hammering the same movement multiple times a week. And their first response is, well, there's no perfect program. And I personally 100% disagree with that. No general program hmm. will be perfect, but I'm a firm believer that if we do our own programming, we can get a lot closer to a perfect program for our community. Uh, they also said they would adjust the movements as things to come, but quite frankly, you know, that doesn't happen, et cetera, et cetera. I've offered to you know, jump in there as well, but hasn't happened yet. So that being said, I love our community. I love our gym. Uh, I choose to follow something else due to what I just previously said. How would you guys handle this approach? So mm. interesting. So what, what I think, you know, when you and I chatted before we clicked on here, we could give our quick two cents about this poor individual and what would we do in that situation. But for the viewers and listeners at home, the broader topic is going to be, how do you evaluate programming? You know, because this person obviously did what they saw was an evaluation and didn't like what they saw. So that's gonna be the general mm -hmm. topic of today's show. And with that long intro, I'll kick it over to you. <laughs> All right, well, the first thing I would say that kind of jumped out to me was, you know, I think anytime you're living in the land of the hypothetical, you gotta be careful. So this individual, Maybe they don't like this particular program and maybe they have their reasons, that's fine. But when you start getting into the, I think it may end up with this result, I think you got to be careful, uh, especially if the program is has been run for any length of time. I mean, you have some data there as to what's going to happen. So first question I would have back for this person, you know, regardless of what direction they end up going in the future, uh, is, well, what have you seen? happen mm -hmm. from this programming? Is it that you just don't like it academically on paper? Or have you seen people get burned out? Have you seen people not make the progress that you would expect, et cetera, et cetera? And if that is the case, and it actually matches what you think you will see, then absolutely it's time to address that and we've got to come up with a solution. If we're still at the stage that it's just speculation and it's like, yeah, there's a little more squatting than I'd like or a little more this than I'd like, you know, I think that that sword cuts both ways, so to speak. And you got to be really careful about that because on paper, 
broadly speaking, nobody thought that CrossFit would be a good way to get strong, well-conditioned, fitter mm-hmm. overall, et cetera. You're doing too many things that can never have the outcome that you would want. And yet here we are. So that's my first caution is just, okay, let's actually take a look at what is really happening instead of what I think may happen in the future at some other state and then decide from there. Um, now, if you get to that point and you're like, yeah, I was right. <laughs> okay. I think you've got more of a leg to stand on when you come to leadership and say, I think we need a change, if that makes sense. It does. And I think two things I would say could exist at the same time. First of all, I mean, the truth is the truth, right? So like you said, you can sure. feel how you want to feel, but if this programming has been in place for three, six, nine, or 12 months, you're going to have a good sense of, and you haven't had a huge turnover in your members, you're going to have a good sense of how many are banged up or not banged up and is mm-hmm. everything progressing in the right, right direction. So that right there, you know, the actual data, the emotionless data will be your friend. So the two things that I could say could coexist at the same time is number one, absolutely look at the data so you don't get clouded by your own biases. Absolutely good to go with that. The second thing that I would say is if somebody asked me, should we go below parallel four times a week? I would say no. <laughs> I would have those two things existing at, uh, at the same time as a general, as a general yeah, guideline. Fair. You know, like most circumstances, most of the time, you know, things occur from time to time where something might get hit a bit less over the course of a week, something might get hit a bit more. And if it's just one of those, this is just kind of how this week shook out. But if you look at the last eight weeks, it's, it's not normally how it is. Well, that's something totally different. If we're, if we're seeing something over and over again, then I would just say based upon, you know, my personal years of doing this, I'd be like, well, that's, that's not how I would recommend doing it at that point in time. So I would say those two things kind of coexist. And and before we go down a big road, you know what I would say is to be as fair and charitable as possible, still sticking my by my, if somebody asks me, do you want to go below parallel four times a week? No. What's difficult from an affiliate standpoint is it's more difficult than just individual programming. So if you're, if I'm an individual following individual programming in my garage or writing it for myself and I'm in my garage five out of seven days. I know exactly what days I'm in there and what days I'm not and what I hit Mm -hmm. and what I missed. And if you're running a gym, you know, back in the day, most gyms are open five days a week or six days a week. It wasn't uncommon for gyms to be closed on Sundays. More and more gyms are open seven days a week. So there's a workout 300 and, you know, 65 days a year, you know, like there's never a stop. And so over the course of seven days, now, if I'm working on my garage five days and I go below parallel four times, that seems unusual. That's 80% mm-hmm. of my workout days. Now, if we're talking about seven days, four is still a lot, but it's not as egregious as the individual one. And also when you're running a gym, you don't know when everyone's going to show up. That's the tough yep. part as well. You might have somebody who came three days a week and somehow missed every below parallel day. And they never <laughs> went below parallel that week. That's totally possible. And sure. you know, then Adrian showed up on four days and he went below parallel every single day he showed up. I feel bad. Jackpot. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I feel bad for both those people in different ways. Like, yes, I know mm. they're not sitting on the couch and all that stuff, but that's the, 
That's the tough part about seven-day-a-week affiliate programming. You can't tell when somebody's going to come in. And so in that situation, you know, what I would say is a good metric as to how often, generally speaking, things should pop up for the individual in their garage. And now you you take that number and it and it shifts if you're talking about seven days a week with the gym. So mm. gyms are in a tough uh, a tough lot right from the get-go as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I could agree with that to some degree. Um, I also feel that, yeah, and it's, it's hard to put this in a way that doesn't come across as just saying, well, it doesn't matter. Well, of course it matters. Uh, but I do think that you've, we've talked about this before, you, you got a lot larger of a strike zone than you probably think you sure, do. Sure, sure, sure. So can't discount that either. But what, I guess one practical piece of advice I'd give to this individual is that, okay, you've approached the leadership of your gym, you didn't really get the response that you were looking for. Um, reading between the lines a little bit, I would probably guess it's because you are asking for them to do more things. And if you're somebody who is running an affiliate and you have paid for a program, chances are you've outsourced that because you don't want to be doing the work. Fair enough. That's that's why that program exists for you to purchase and it can be taken off of your plate, so to speak. That's great. If that person who has the issue with this programming uh, were to take it upon themselves and say, take the approach of instead of coming to, to the, uh, the leaders of the gym and saying, hey, I think this isn't as good as it could be. What are we going to do about it? But instead coming forward and saying, hey, I've looked at this week of programming. There's four days of squatting. I want to run this second day as this different workout. What do you think? That might be a different outcome because mm -hmm. now there's no real action that needs to be taken from the leadership other than they just buy in or they don't. And you still might not get the answer you're looking for, but at least it's an in. You've already thought about it. You have a solution at the ready and it's a yes or no at that point instead of all these auxiliary steps of like, well, who's going to look at it and are we and, okay with you doing it? And there's four decisions in there instead of just one. And especially, I like that option. And especially if you made it even easier for them to say yes, because now you mm -hmm. came at them not only as a proactive, caring trainer, but you maybe you not only, you know, said, hey, this is this is how I think we could modify it so it works a bit better for the flow for the week and for, you know, hey, I've been looking at people. Yeah. This seems a little tired. I think we could do this. And oh, by the way, yep. if you're interested, I already came up with a warm-up that fits and some coach's notes as to how we can run it. And you just it'll be super simple. I did the work. You could just give it to the coaches. Like, and now you've, exactly. you've removed, you've removed yep. all work from them. And they either just have to say yes or no. And but it's why not just say yes? I mean, you did all the work, you know, and that yep. like and doing that maybe on a regular basis, you know, when you gen if you genuinely identify things that you feel could be done better, uh, that might bolster your credibility and bolster your credibility. And then, you know, maybe you're the programmer of the gym and that could be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. But um, yeah, it is interesting. But yeah, I, I, I can't stop coming back to this idea of what is actually happening with the members and what mm -hmm. is their level of fitness? What's the impact on them? What's their level of satisfaction? All of those questions need to be a part of that conversation. Yep. And yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of them in the truth will set you free. And so you've got your, you've got your, you've got your members there. You got their data. You know what they have going on. And 
and one of two things will happen, right? It will either illuminate the fact that, man, I thought something was wrong, but everything's actually fine. Or you will have data to present your cases like, look, so-and-so sideline yeah. here. I asked what happened. This happened. Mm -hmm. This happened here. You know, we just retested this from six months ago. People are tired. Like, whatever it is that it might be there. So, yeah, check that out. That's a, that's a good idea. So, how to evaluate some programming, huh? Okay. Good programming versus bad programming. I know you like to be very binary. And there's only good and there's Absolutely. only bad. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a right way and a wrong way, Pat. And uh, we're going to talk about the right way today. <laughs> I think this is a really cool topic, not only because I'm fascinated by the topic, but I think this can be one of those things where, you know, just because you do CrossFit every day doesn't mean you understand the methodology. You just do it, sure. you show up to your gym, you have a great time, and you've been getting fitter. I don't know why it works. It just works really well. I keep going back, you know? And, yep. Or, you know, just because you do a CrossFit workout every day doesn't mean that you necessarily could look at a week of programming and not have it look like a totally foreign language to you. But hopefully, like anything else, if you start to look at it and decode the matrix a little bit, <laughs> there's some, there's some um, you know, without going too far down some rabbit holes, like some basic introductory eye-opening things we could talk about, big picture things that I think help you look at a week or two weeks or a block of programming in a more unbiased fashion. That's kind of the goal we have going on today. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll take that a step further and say that I think anybody who is you know, genuinely interested in health and fitness, you should have a basic literacy around some of these um, programming ideas. And it doesn't mean that you're ever going to have to make it a career or it's going to be like, executed at this super high level or with a ton of detail. Um, again, if you want to go down that road and, and that becomes your domain of expertise, awesome. But like so many things in life, I think a little bit of knowledge and some fundamental principles that you understand carry you a really long way and mm -hmm. allow you to be pretty independent when it comes to a lot of that sort of thing. So to me, uh, if you are genuinely interested in this sort of thing for the long run, meaning, you know, you plan on being active for the rest of your life, like this is important to you. I think just like learning how to squat or learning some basic nutrition principles, you should have some basic programming understanding under your belt as well. Absolutely. And it's, well, I was going to say it's fun, but it's not fun for everybody. Some people find it very monotonous yeah. and boring, but I think it's fun. So we're going to dive but into I, it as I think if it's it is fun. Too. And I think you can look at it Maybe if you fall all the way off the deep end and you want to be crazy analytical about it, I can see where that may not be as appealing. But I think anybody can find at least one or two aspects of it that they do find fun. And mm -hmm. it does kind of encourage them to uh, you know, play along, so to speak. So I've got a, just a bunch of things that I wrote down as kind of rough things, general topics that people can focus on. They can scratch these down if they want. And, and maybe we can dive into each one or see if we have, we have some that match up. Yeah, sounds good. So, you know, first, let me say that this list is not all inclusive. You know, you could, you can get into the weeds as much as you want. This is just some broad brush strokes that will help people. So the first thing, and this is in no particular order, but load, load should be one of the ones that jumps off at people. And maybe I'll, I'll cover this one briefly. Then you hit the next one and, and chime in yeah. if need be. Uh, Let's see here. Something just popped up on my screen. I don't want it on my screen. Okay. <laughs> so 
Under load, very simple, but think about everything from no load. And what I mean by that is body weight movements. We're talking about, you know, Cindy, burpees, ring dips, you know, things like that, pull-ups. So no load, just your body weight, light load, moderate load, and heavy load. Now, I know that sounds really um, super, you know, too simple, but it, that is a great place to start. And and you could also say, well, what does light, moderate, or heavy mean? And there could probably be some rough agreement on that, but it also might have to do with your population and your gym. You know, you've got a bunch of fire-breathing 20- and 30-year-olds, or you running, you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s through your gym, et cetera, et cetera. But as a, if you've been around CrossFit for a while, you'll get a, a general idea of, you know, a lightweight's you know, something like Randy, you know, 75 power mm-hmm. snatches at 75 pounds, moderate, you know, think about something like Grace, you know, with the 135 clean and jerk, things like that. Heavy could be something like the hero workout McGee that has a 275 pound deadlift, you know, you're doing that for a while. Like you, you could, you could make these own parameters that might be, you know, unique to your gym, but give you a general guideline to make sure, roughly speaking, that you're, you're covering your bases there. And that would be one of the first things that I'd look at. Yeah, I agree. And on kind of the inverse of that, um, total reps within the session. And what you find is there's often a relationship between the two, which is pretty intuitive. You know, so if you have something that's legitimately heavy, you're not going to be doing hundreds of reps with it. It's not number one, it's just not physically possible. Mm -hmm. And number two, it's probably not the best expression of that particular aspect. So you'll start to see that kind of inverse relationship play out where if you have something that's lightweight, typically higher rep schemes are going to fit it a little bit better. Not always, but that's one way that you can start to kind of play with and inform one or the other. Maybe you need a high rep workout as part of the structure that hasn't been expressed recently. Well, that's probably going to point you in the direction of, okay, today's probably not going to be a really heavy day Mm -hmm. or vice versa. Uh, And then one other thing that I think also gets left out of the conversation around this range of body weight to heavy uh, load, I think you can also create a similar uh, kind of range for challenge of body weight movements. So for example, if you have something like a ring row and then you have something like a one rep max weighted pull up, you know, they're very different expressions of a body mm-hmm. weight movement, even though they're both technically body weight. I mean, I guess if you want to get really pedantic, a weighted pull-up, you know, you could argue that. But the point is that there's a range of challenge within those that can also be plotted similarly. So, mm-hmm. you know, like a deficit strict handstand push-up may match up in terms of the reps you choose with it and the loading that you kind of associate with it, way closer to a heavy load, quote unquote, than you know, a kipping unloaded or a, sorry, just a kipping regular handstand pushup. That's probably going to match closer to, you know, a lighter load. Yeah. And that like level of skill required could be something in there sure. as well, yep. you know, from your ring row being a, a wonderful, very useful upper body pull, but low on the skill level to mm-hmm. a legless rope climb or a ring muscle up or a bar muscle up, you know, all upper body pulls as well but requiring, you know, more strength, more capacity, more skill and all that kind of stuff as well. So yeah, yep. those all, those all will play in there as well. Do you want to take the next one? Where do you got in your list? Sure. You so we've, no, no, we're good. So we've got uh, load as kind of the first one. Reps is kind of the inverse, uh, uh, closely related. 
And then the one that I always start looking at big picture is just basic modality. So starting to categorize movements into their big pieces. So CrossFit kind of, yeah, classic kind of CrossFit literature. We talk about gymnastics movements where you're only moving your body weight, weightlifting movements where you're controlling an external object, and then monostructural movements that are usually kind of the traditional cardio where you're doing things like running and rowing, et cetera. And so just understanding what categories movements are going to fit into there. And then as you progress, making sure that you have a good coverage of those three categories at a regular interval. Mm -hmm. And I would say not only those categories, but I also personally can use whatever works for you. I really like to think about like the, just the movements, gross movement Mm -hmm. pattern, if you will, you know, because, you know, below parallel that could be done falling under the gymnastics category could be under the weightlifting category as well. You know, so some things kind of blur the line. So in addition to those three categories there, it's very helpful for me to make sure that I'm covering my bases when I talk about, and these, again, this list is not everything that you might want to think about, but, you know, below parallel pressing in every conceivable direction, pulling from the ground, you know, think of that as a deadlift or a power clean Mm -hmm. or something versus upper body pulling, like we mentioned with ring rows and rope climbs, various types of midline work, various forms of locomotion, like you said, all the monostructural. And that is probably the more caveman barbaric way to express what somebody more academic or with an exercise science degree would express in like the planes of motion, you know, it's sagittal, frontal, transverse, whatever it happens to be, which which have their place and function and, and are related to that. But I think CrossFit makes categorizing movements like that unnecessary and and difficult because a lot of them are just multi-plane and they don't fit well to any of those classic cate- uh, categories. So I don't I don't use them, quite frankly. I like the more simplified ones that I just gave there. I think those fit a GPP program with multiple planes happening in most movements far, far, far better, me personally. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I guess the way I think about it is you have your basic movement modalities and then the function of the movement that you just described is is almost a subset of that. Again, super related. Mm-hmm. But I guess when I'm thinking about it, I always, it, it, that's kind of a second uh, consideration for me, super important, but just not the first thing that I think about for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally agree with you that I think, um, when people get too far into the argument around how should I categorize a certain thing and with what level of academic rigor do I have to be able to name it? Uh, I think that starts to distract from the more important work, which is making sure you've got it well-rounded uh, making sure that you're not going back to the well too often for certain things, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And so to me, I feel like oftentimes it becomes more of a display of knowledge than actually a practical exercise in trying to develop a good program. So watch out for that. And new trainers especially, I think, are susceptible to this because they're interested in it. They want to learn. You know, There's genuine curiosity there, but then it can also kind of get spit out in a weird way sometimes where you're not really serving the program. You're just trying to make a point that you understand something on a level that maybe somebody else doesn't. Mm-hmm. So just watch for that. One hundred percent. Then I would say we could move on to you've got time domains, of course. You know, you want to mm-hmm. make sure that again, 
as as overly simplified as when I talked about load, you know, very short to medium to long, you know, that's that's going to cover your bases. And if you do that intentionally and deliberately and, and with a design to it, you'll make sure that you cover your metabolic pathways appropriately. You'll cover all of your bases and and you'll do yourself um right most of the time. And with regards to those three, you could, I guess in assessing a program, just because there's three, let's say short, medium, and long, and, and you could apply this to other things as well, which I think is um, sometimes between like the art and science of programming and how people don't like that there's not a rigid formula that they can then say this makes sense mm-hmm. or doesn't make sense. Okay, because there's three short, medium, and long, that doesn't mean that if I assessed a block of training and it was nine days worth of programming, that three of those days should be short, three should be medium, and three should be long, and now the program's quote-unquote balanced. That, that's not how that works. You know? And if, if anything, and that's some of this is actually said in the good old CrossFit articles like that Foundations one we did the other deals. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to go out for dedicated monostructural days, for example, you know, most of them are going to be in the short to moderate and the less frequent will be long. We're going to hit them all, but not with the same frequency that we might do these, relatively speaking, shorter time domain, higher intensity, you know, efforts, because we understand that there's transference to that to going long, but it doesn't really work the other way around. And so while you want to hit all of these bases, don't think that you're not filling in some matrix that were at the end. If each one had a different color, you want to see a perfect mm-hmm. dissemination and equal pattern. That's that's not it, you know. And and what's the beautiful flow and the frequency doesn't exist in isolation on one day, and it doesn't exist in isolation in a few days. It's, it's this week compared to what you did last week and the week before, and that overall flow kind of guides you as to where you should go. So hopefully that kind of makes sense to people. Yeah, for sure. And I think that illustrates really nicely kind of what we were talking about at the beginning of this um, conversation around, you know, if you fall into the headspace of I've got nine days, I have short, medium and long, they need to have a perfect balance. Great. Maybe that makes sense from a logical perspective that you've taken, but does it actually benefit the outcome? Well, Probably not. There's mm-hmm. no um, there's no program out there that's like perfectly balanced like that that somebody can point to and say, "See, the the balance is so good on paper, it's clearly a more effective result every time that you put it into practice." So again, I think that's the easy trap to fall into is I have this awesome structure and look at how well it presents and how nicely. Uh, it, it pleases me to have this kind of aesthetic balance, but what actually happens becomes secondary. And that's a weird inversion of what you should be looking at, which is, okay, what is the outcome? That's primary focus. And I use these other tools to make the outcome better, not mm-hmm. the other way around. And I would say, if anyone tells you they've ever created the perfect week of programming, run the other direction because they're lying to you. Um, you know, there's, I don't know if there is a perfect week of, of I don't think I've ever created a perfect week. There's always something that I would like to tweak just a little bit because you're not, it's very tough to solve every single solitary one of your Mm -hmm. potential needs and loads and everything. If you're working out five days a week, you're either going to make the most horrific, huge, ugly workouts or like something has to get flensed and removed from it. 
And so don't feel that you need to solve every single one of your programming needs on one workout or two workouts or three workouts, yeah. because that's the beauty of CrossFit is, you know, so for example, you may not, maybe the one of those weeks shook out where instead of hitting something twice a week, you hit it once, right? But the movements that we do have this beautiful transference so that maybe, maybe you didn't get to deadlift this week. That's, that's okay because you probably pulled and hinged at the hip and strengthened your posterior chain in other ways and your midline and then you're going to be okay. Like if you're, if you're programming these movement patterns that have such wonderful overlap and you do it with a, with a design, um, there's just the more is better or trying to solve everything with one workout or one week's workouts, it's, that's a dangerous road to go down. Yeah, completely agree. You're not going to be able to do it. Now, I disagree a little bit. I think that there are perfect blocks of programming. I think you can program a perfect week. That doesn't mean that if you repeat that perfect week at infinitum, I think I said that wrong, but you know, <laughs> forever, uh, that it's just going to have a perfect result. That's not the case. In the same way that I think you could have a perfect movie and you're like, man, I love this movie start to finish. Everything about it's great. Doesn't mean I want to watch it every single day from here on out. And it's mm -hmm. the only thing that will ever entertain me. It's not the case. It's going to get stale at some point. It's exactly the same with programming. You can have a perfect week. You could have a couple of days that you're like, man, the way it fit together was just awesome. I felt great at the end of it. However, that doesn't mean that's the only thing that I can do from here on out and expect that it's going to be phenomenal when it comes to the results. Mm -hmm. So that's the little, the new, little nuance there. I, I, I like the idea of a perfect block of programming. I think it exists. I just don't think it's going to get you where you need to be uh, forever. Yeah, yeah. and it, it probably also depends upon the eye of the beholder and the definition of, of perfect. I mean, you could certainly sure. have it where you covered all of your bases, you know, and yeah. that, if, that, if that made the week perfect in your mind from we went short, medium and long, and we covered these loadings nice, and we covered our gross movement patterns, you know, like, yeah, that... If that's the definition of perfect, yes, it's obtainable. Um, but yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to see the perfect week. But and it, go again, ahead and check it, it out. It, that is divorced from result on the long term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's that's where it starts to fall apart. But um, what else? What else do you have on your list? So, well, let's kind of recap. So, we talked about reps and load and that kind of relationship there. We talked about modalities on a broad sense, and then we talked about movement function below that. Mm -hmm. um, and then we started talking about duration, mm -hmm. uh, which is obviously a big one. And then uh, kind of mixed in with duration where I often think about things in tandem is the scheme or how many elements you're going to put in that particular workout. So is it just a single element workout? Is it a couplet? Is it a triplet? Does it have four elements? Is it a big, long chipper? Mm -hmm. um, around the time that I start thinking about duration, I'm also starting to think about how many movements I want to include in that particular workout. So that's another lens to start looking at. Yep. And, you know, just good old couplets and triplets go a really long way. You know, single modalities Absolutely. obviously have their place. Chippers have their place. But there's a lot of bang for your buck. And couplets and triplets and the old glycolytic pathway, it, it has a <laughs> lot of transference. That's why a lot of that is, is backbone, backbone CrossFit. I would also say, if you're looking at it, I would love to see somebody laying out, you know, or assessing programming, 
that there are some dedicated single modality days, such as I'd love yep. to see dedicated heavy days, personally speaking. I, I think that's critically important. And as much as those deserve respect and their due, I would love to see dedicated days for engine work, a monostructural, if you will. We're, we're just going to do six by 400 meter repeats. We're just going to run a 5K. Like, are those absent in the program? Mm -hmm. And dedicated just gymnastics days. And that that could be a gymnastics, you know, strength, they've just weighted pull-ups, or it could be just, do you have workouts ever that have not a barbell in them? Like, do you just do right. Cindy? Do you just do Barbara? Do you just do Angie or, or 150 burpees for time every now and then to have just a pure gymnastics? Because uh, you know, nobody would mind if you just did DT, right? Barbell, barbell, barbell. <laughs> Everyone's fine. But do you give that same respect to monostructural yeah. and gymnastics? So I would, yep. I would look at that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then, uh, you know, I guess the kind of icing on the cake that I started thinking about and these are really gap fillers, in my opinion, is, okay, we have kind of the main course of the workout. What are some of the other things that we want to sprinkle in there from time to time that may be harder to put into the core workout? Like, I'll give you a great example, like an L-sit pull-up. It's a mm -hmm. great movement, but it is often difficult to fit into something that makes sense when you're looking just at a conditioning workout or a strength workout, it kind of doesn't really fit. Or like a Turkish getup is a great example also, where you're like, yeah, I see the utility in it. It's probably worth investing a little bit of time, but it doesn't really make sense in a lot of contexts. So mm -hmm. how can I take some of these kind of outlier movements and make sure that we're getting some exposure to them? So that's kind of one of the last things I start thinking about um, once I've got the basic structure together. Yeah, agreed. Um... I know we've got a hard out. How are we doing? It's true. I've got uh, <laughs> probably another five minutes okay, before okay. I got a split. Um, let's see here. Um, we got dedicated heavy engine gymnastics. We talked about time domains. What's your take on task priority, time priority? Uh, again, I view that as really kind of seasoning. I think that there's a time and a place for both. Um, I think, you know, when people think AMRAP or as many reps or rounds for time, I mean, really what that is, is an interval. It's just mm -hmm. by a different name. You know, you've got a long interval of work. Uh, so to me, I kind of lump that into interval work. And then for time, obviously you can finish that. Uh, what you're going to find there more often than not is that it does drive the intensity because you know that there's an end state. Um, and so I think, you know, most people that are programming, they understand whether it's intuitive or, or stated that most of the workouts are going to be done for time because mm -hmm. it does drive that intensity just a little bit more. You can't escape until you finish. Exactly. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Uh, let's see. I would say, you know, just kind of wrapping this up that some movements are more important than other movements. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. You know, so for example, <laughs> absolutely. If you go three weeks and you don't swing a kettlebell, there's probably no degradation to your fitness if you have covered your bases in other ways. If you go three weeks and you don't squat or deadlift, that would probably have my undivided attention. You know, mm -hmm. so there, not all movements are created equal, and there could be, you know, 
just you want to make sure those prime movers that give you a tremendous amount of bang for your buck and have a lot of transference, those come off the bench more frequently than some of the other players. And, and that's okay. And that should happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think that gets lost sometimes too, as you quote unquote, get more experienced or more advanced, there comes this, uh, desire to stray away from those. Cause you're like, Oh, well, those are kind of played. They're kind of old hat mm-hmm. when nothing could be further from the truth. It's like, there's a reason that they are staples in absolutely. so many effective programs. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be trying to reinvent the wheel with those. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's uh, I think that's probably a good overview to get people's brains percolating. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, I, I'll give this advice. I'm pretty sure I've stated this a few times in the past, but for me, I think it's really a fun exercise that even if you're not interested in writing programming for other people, to just start taking a look at some of these big considerations and following along with whatever program that you are currently doing, whether that's at the affiliate you're going to. Maybe you pay for somebody else's programming or or Mm -hmm. whatever. Maybe it's just, you know, your group of friends that get together and you do some stuff on the whiteboard. Start paying attention to some of these things and get to the point where it's like you said at the beginning, you can kind of see behind the matrix and you start to notice these patterns that emerge. And sooner or later, you get to the point where you're like, okay, based on what I've absorbed from the last couple of days, I'm pretty sure this is the direction we're going to head in tomorrow. And when you get to that point, you're in a really good place because it, it means that you're paying attention enough and you have enough of a fundamental understanding that you could start to put this together if you had to. You're, you're following the bouncing ball. You're increasing your strength and conditioning IQ, which is a really good thing. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess reaching out to the listeners and viewers, if you were in this individual situation that submitted the question, what would you do? Uh, what are some metrics you use to evaluate programming you know is there good or bad or is it just effective and ineffective you know what what do you use do you think there's a perfect week of training you know the perfect <laughs> week i i still maybe it's just me in that word i i'll get i'll get to a point where i'm like that's a beautiful week that's gorgeous and maybe that's just my way of saying what you just expressed just I don't give it to yourself per- no it's beautiful I, can't, I feel bad saying perfect beautiful but when it's beautiful then it will get released to the world but uh, but maybe that's just you know there's perfection and beauty so yeah let everybody chime in let us know what you think and of course go to verynotrandom.com check out the cycles that we offer help support the show and other than that keep the questions coming they they fuel the content And for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.